We are living in a time when it is popular to be spiritual. You don't have to look very hard to find books on spirituality or university courses about spirituality. Seminars on spirituality are advertised all the time. And even countless phone apps and websites and, and podcasts on a variety of topics related to spirituality. Most recently, there has been a huge interest in the whole topic of mindfulness. And I've seen a number of books on mindfulness, even coloring books about mindfulness. Even driving around this area, I don't know if you've ever stopped to pay attention to the numbers of meditation centers that are even out here in this, in this region, all from a variety of traditions. But all of these things should cause us to ask some pretty basic questions, I think. Are all these expressions of spirituality the same? Are they merely all different forms and different expressions of the same thing, or are they fundamentally different? Are there some things that we should be aware of? Are there some things that are helpful or some things that we should avoid? How should we be thinking about all these various expressions of spirituality in our world today? As we come to this next section in John's letter, 1 John chapter 4, we realize that these kinds of questions that we are facing today are very similar to the kinds of questions that John is addressing to his people at that time. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let me pray for us as we understand this word. Father, we thank you for your word that gives us clarity as we look at the world around us today. And so I pray for this ministry of your spirit to bring us into understanding and into truth as we look at your word together. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. 
we have seen all through this letter that John teaches a spirituality that is not merely intellectual. It's not simply something we think about, but it's very experiential as well. John uses all the senses, and we've seen that a number of times in this letter, which is very common among many of the more contemplative and even the mystical spirituality writers. But this, of course, can lead into places of subjectivity. When experience alone becomes the test of what is real and what is true. And so John provides this very important and I think a very helpful guide for discernment when it comes to spiritual experiences and and spiritual teachings. For John, the life of discipleship is life in the spirit. It is the, the spirit who guides us into truth. The spirit protects us against the evil one. The Spirit gives discernment, and the Spirit transforms us and enables us to love other people with God's love. The Spirit unifies God's people into a family. We see that through this letter, how John refers to these people with family terms. But John begins this passage with a strong word of warning. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. We must be aware that while God has given us his spirit and his spirit abides in us, and we saw that at the end of chapter three last week, there are also other spirits active in this world. In verse 6, John says, these, he describes these as the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John's teaching here helps us to avoid two extremes, I think. First of all, a, a superstition that believes everything. And there are a great many people who, who just believe everything that is spiritual. And the other extreme is to be overly suspicious and really to believe nothing as a result of that. We can be overly gullible or we can be overly critical. So John's teaching here, I think, helps us to find a path of spiritual discernment. And his desire here clearly stated in in verse 2 is that we know the Spirit of God. He says, first of all, the Holy Spirit will always lead us to Jesus. Look at verse 2. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. There is no more more critical question than this one question. John's words here take us back to the gospel of John, where, where Jesus teaches about this very particular ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
He says in John 14, verse 26, that the Spirit would bring to your mind and to your remembrance all that Jesus has told you or all that Jesus has taught you. And then in in John chapter 16, verse 14, we read that that the Spirit would glorify Jesus. The work of the Spirit is always to point people to Jesus. There's nothing narcissistic about the Spirit. There's nothing about the Spirit that wants to call attention to himself. Rather, he points people to Jesus. And there's no more critical question in our faith than this. What do we believe about the person of Jesus Christ? At some point in our faith, we have to come to terms with this one dividing truth, and it is a dividing truth. Who is Jesus? Jesus himself asked his disciples the question, who do men say that I am? And they gave some very complimentary answers to that, to that question. They said, well, some people say you're Elijah, and some say you're John the Baptist, and And others, people say you're a prophet, recognizing him as a great teacher and and even a messenger. But their answer doesn't go far enough. And there are many people today who will recognize and acknowledge Jesus as a good man, but not as God in human flesh. And as C.S. Lewis rightly observes, God never intended to give us that option. And then Jesus asks the more personal question of his disciples. He says, but who do you say that I am? Peter answers rightly, you're the Christ, the, the son of the living God, the one that we've been looking for You see, there is no room for neutrality on this one question. And John says here that this is the critical question that divides truth from error. It divides the true teacher from the false teacher. One of my favorite definitions of spiritual formation comes from a man named Robert Mulholland. And he defines spiritual formation as the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus for the sake of others. Dallas Willard, in his, in his definition of spiritual formation, says very much the same thing, where our heart is conformed more and more to the heart of Jesus. That's what Christian spirituality looks like. It looks like Jesus. And John says that this is a critical test when we are confronted with any kind of of teaching, any kind of spiritual teaching. What does it teach us? What does it hold to be true about the person of Jesus? When we lived in China, one of our co-workers shared the gospel with with a Buddhist monk one day. And when the monk heard the story of Jesus and heard the truth about Jesus, he said to this coworker, this is the man that I've been looking for all my life. I knew he existed, 
but now I know his name. And interesting, he, he left the monastery and he actually became a pastor of a church as he understood rightfully who the person of Jesus was. We hear the same kinds of stories about Muslim background believers who come to faith because they, they are confronted with the person of Jesus and the spirit points them to Jesus. This is the work of the spirit, always pointing people to the person of Jesus Christ. There are many spiritualities today that are willing to acknowledge Jesus as a good person, as even a good teacher. That may seem like a safe option, but it doesn't go far enough. It is far from the truth of Jesus, who is God in human flesh. But second, John reminds us that it is by God's spirit that we are able to stand firm in God's truth. Look at verse four. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is such an important and basic truth that we come to faith through the work of the Spirit, and we continue to grow in our faith through the work of the Spirit. And God's Spirit is far more powerful than any other spirit at work in this world. The ability to stand firm, the, the ability to grow in our faith, to express love and to be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus is not according to our own power, our own abilities, our own, I'm just going to gut this out and make it happen. No, it's not, even, it's not even a capacity of our intellectual abilities. It is a work of God's spirit. John wants us to understand that our spiritual security does not depend on us but on God's spirit at work within us. There is, there is no power in this world greater than, than the spirit of God. Nothing can ultimately destroy the work of God's spirit within us. Our, our assurance has to, to rest in him and in him alone. And, and John says, whatever victory you have over the spirits, your ability to persevere in truth. Well, that is a work of God's spirit in you. But he says, third, that we do not discern in isolation. We don't discern alone. We discern in community. We need the help of others around us. We need the help of the body, the, the community of Jesus to help us to discern. John makes a clear difference between two groups of people here. There are the people of the world, as he says here, and that's a favorite word of John's. He talks about the world and, and the people of God. And he makes a very clear distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. You know, I am both comforted and I am encouraged 
in these words that we do not seek truth on our own. We seek truth in community with other people, with God's people. Jesus tells us in, in, in John chapter 10 that God's people know God's voice. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. For the true believer, God's voice is a familiar voice. And it's a reassuring voice. But notice in verse 6 that the, the emphasis is on the plural. Not the, not the singular, but the plural, the, the community, and not the individual. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Jesus says in Matthew 7 that, that we will know a tree by its fruit. In that passage, he's talking about the true prophet and the true teacher and the false prophet. One of the ways we discern whether a message is true is by the character of the teacher and the fruit of their teaching. And John says here that the message of the world and the message of God will not look the same at all. There will be a, a, a distinct difference between the two. And so he encourages us here to look at the fruit. Look at the, look at the outcome of this. Look at the fruit of this. There's, there is a correspondence between the message and its hearers that we simply cannot ignore. Those who follow Jesus look like Jesus. John says they love others with God's love. They listen to God's voice. But those who are not from God speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Very simply, we should ask ourselves, where is this message coming from? And who is paying attention? Who is listening to it? And what kinds of followers is it producing? At the core of John's message, is this central truth. It all comes back to the person of Jesus Christ, which is consistent all through this letter. Am I being led deeper and deeper into my relationship with Jesus? Am I being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus? And is the message embraced by the community of Jesus. This, John says, these kinds of questions will help us to discern the spiritual messages of our time. These kinds of questions will help us to discern the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. John says, does it point you back to Jesus? Is he central to the message? I want you to be spiritually discerning people. Pay attention to the source of the message, the fruit of the message, but mostly the substance of the message.
Is it about Jesus or something? <laughs>